All right, Mr. Jones, this is your special brown, 51.5%. Oh. Well, that's a lot of pressure. That's a lot of pressure that volume. man, I mean. Coming from the hatch, hatchy. I'm ready. You two ready? Got it? I'm ready. ready. All right. Open. Three. Cheers. Two. Gentlemen. One, One. two, three. Yeah. Tastes like it smells. I like it a lot. Tastes mm. like a smoker. Does. Tasty. Well, gentlemen. Uh, thank you for indulging me in uh, what I wanted to share with you tonight in our brown. Well, thank you. To the Bobs out there, I uh, gifted my fellow colleagues a, a nice bottle of what we call it's Rick House. It's actually a bar in San Francisco. If anyone has been there, it is just straight up badass. I mean, it's just a fun place to go. Its wall is just filled with old staves from uh, barrels, and it's just a beautiful place, and it's a good place to drink brown. Um, cool. I guess they went out and decided to make their own bottle of brown. Podcast. I'm your host, Danny Paul. Joining me in the Bob Media Studios are the vice hosts. We got both of them this time. It's a full he house. He's the Baron of Bourbon, the King of Columbus. He is Leon Coventry, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Who let those kids in here? This is a bar <laughs> show. <laughs> you have to be 21. We also have with us the Sultan of San Francisco, the Pharaoh of Finance himself, Mr. Jones, ladies and gentlemen. Gentlemen, 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 it's good to see your faces. Uh, good to hear your voices. Uh, sorry, I've been an absent these last few weeks. I am going through a teething phase with my son, and oh, it is teething. a fucking nightmare. Mm. Aren't in you the, married? In the teeth. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but unlike others, I help the wife. Please out. edit that out so Only that I will not sleep on the couch. get to ride the car. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I'm couch surfing. <sighs> oh, Excellent. It'd be so fucked if I just let it go. I see you, dudes. <sighs> Good to see you too, sir. This then, will be episode 52 of season two of the Bottle of Brown podcast. You can see that we've got our audio in check. I can say you guys sound really good. I don't have any any gear yet. We got to find an intern. We can do some engineering for us. But I got to say you guys are sounding good. On the one, two, one, two, Leon, your, your audio sounds good. And Mr. J, your audio sounds good as well. Nice. I'm going to hand the mic over to you now, Mr. Jones, because we are all drinking the same brown tonight. Yay! Gentlemen. Um, man. What is it? So I felt it was in the season and I decided to gift two bo a bottle of uh, brown to my mm -hmm. colleagues to get their opinion. Um, it was a discovery at the local Safeway around here, but it is a bar that I usually frequent in San Francisco when I actually go into the city and the bar is called Rick house. And this is the Rick house cast strength bourbon. Um, it is phenomenal. I thought it, that it was a big, big win, big flavor notes of, you know, cherry and vanilla comes over a little smokiness to it. But, um, gentlemen, um, I'll stop there and you tell me what you think. That was really what my goal was about this is to get your thoughts. 
She's a Rick house. I <laughs> oh, stole it from me. You suck. Uh, it's all about going first. Uh, I will. I think that the, well, first of all, the bottle's impressive. That's what one this of the cool things is. This is some nice glass here, man. This it is, is it is can, a nice looking bottle, this. clear bottle, big gold medallion on the front. Nice cool thick old school writing here. on it, old yeah. cork, visible. Great, great looking bottle. Like something from this Indiana Jones. This is not movie. a daily. This is not a daily drinker, folks. No, this is a special occasion. For certain. Or if you do, uh, if you happen to smoke a brisket or do a little beer butt chicken, this is what you're going to drink with it, and you'll love it. That's what this one tastes like. Got some words here in the label. Three times copper pot distilled. It is 103 proof. And my favorite part is not only is it 80-20 corn rye, it's made with hetch hetchy water. Hetch hetchy. Hetch hetchy. <laughs> so while we were waiting rapper, for you to jump on the stumps, we thought that that was just some really funny shit they put on the label, but apparently not. Hetch hetchy is a reservoir up there by you. It is amazing water. Um, actually, if anyone, you know, normally you go into kind of big city and you don't drink the the water that comes out of the hotel. San Francisco water is delicious. If uh, you guys ever been to it, uh, a lot of the water actually up here, cause you know, we're close to the Sierras and yeah. uh, it's good. Well, it's, it's really good water. How do I steal that? I'm from SoCal. We like to take your water. You, you get all of the Colorado river, sir. That's what was secured <laughs> no, for you. No and no that's what you get to have. You. <laughs> no no barrel in the cars. Get on the road. I I like my water to travel down a dirty aqueduct for a couple thousand miles before I drink it. And mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's the reason why we like Santa Barbara so much. Well, thank you very much, Mr. J, because this uh, it took a while for us to get this because I think we wanted to do this for an earlier episode. But okay. we all have it. We all love it. And uh, could be the unofficial. Mr. Jones is a Who saint knows? because it was a real pain in the ass to get it to us. So yeah, let's, thank you let's for that. Saying it lightly, it was, yeah, it was an absolute trains and automobiles with the delivery company. Just you so know, you know, kids, if you're not 21, they don't just slide it under the door. You can't get booze delivered, and I guess we forgot that because we're old farts now. But if it's alcohol, somebody has to physically sign for it. That has to be 21. So have to be old. home. I think the, the, the UPS and I man both like- got the nice three post-it notes stamped right on top of each other going, <laughs> hey, we're trying to deliver something, asshole. <laughs> I'm like, stop trying to deliver it at, time, at the time we go pick up our daughter from school, asshole. <laughs> It's not true. Yeah, I don't it's know. Not I, true. I'd probably just didn't even charge the, man. the ring doorbell <laughs> battery. But anyway, bring anyway. All my packages. We all got it. And we all love it. So thank cool. you, Mr. Jeff. Let's talk about Brown. How you doing? Whiskey and whiskey. This is the darkest brown you got. Yeah. Say, Holmes, uh, where they hiding the scotch? What about, um, brown? That's code for bourbon. Great stuff, this bourbon. Comes from a land called Kentucky. Talk about brown. There's a special rung in hell reserved for people who waste good scotch. Scotch? Oh, yes, I, I think so. Can I have one more of these with some booze in it, please? The nice talk about brown it comes to us from Brit.co, and it's a older article. It's dated August 17th, 2016. The link will be in the show notes along with all the other articles that we share in today's episode. But being that Mr. Jones is a brand new baby daddy, we thought we would get into it. The article's titled, We Tried It, Baby Food Cocktails. Mm-mm, good. Yeah. The title didn't say we loved it. It just said we tried it. That's not a good opening. 
<laughs> not doing know, it right then, you, sir. Would you write a flowery article with a lot of pictures if it sucked? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Clickbait. <laughs> well, we'll find out. The article begins, when I saw that baby food cocktails were trending, my immediate reaction was no. But after about 30 seconds, my thoughts shifted to, well, all baby food really consists of is mushy fruit and veg, so why not add that to a cocktail? No good reason. So today we made three baby food cocktail recipes and surveyed the office without saying what was in them to see if they got a thumbs up. By the way, this, this article is from Britain. The Brits actually drank at the office and it's totally cool. Uh, the results, lots of thumbs up. People love these. So, baby food cocktails. There is a recipe here for a baby food bellini. Interesting. Oh. Peach, baby food, raspberries, mint for garnish, champagne. I don't know that I'm that much of a bellini fan, but it seems like you can't go wrong with it. Good for Sunday night. I have a good Bellini story. I was at a, a conference once, uh, one of these ones where they actually do serve alcohol in the, in the conference center. And I sat down and I was sitting next to one of my colleagues that was very much pregnant and she's drinking these Bellinis. And I said, Oh, I'll have some. I, I just assumed at that point that they were non-alcoholic because she's regime. drinking them next to me. She was getting non-alcoholic Bellinis. I was not, but if you <laughs> ever had a Bellini, they don't taste like there's any alcohol in them. So I think I had four or five. When I stood up, I damn near fell over. And I was like, God <laughs> damn. These I thought there was no alcohol. They're all That's laughing a at Bellini. Like, I, I had to hurry up and go find the beef jerky stand. <laughs> and make it through the day. That's code. What about you, Mr. Jones? You uh, you rocking the baby food cocktails now that you have a well, baby? What this really kind of sparked my interest was um, my wife and I make all my son's food. And um, the typical process is, is, you know, there's a savory and a sweet. And uh, the sweets typically are, you know, an apple base. And then we kind of add something else to it, whether it's mangoes or pineapples or whatever the case may be. Um, lots of times it's strawberries or something. And so as we were making it, like you boil them down in water and you take the contents, what's left over that's softened into and put it into the Vitamix and blend it. And as I was kind of smushing it down, you would get this kind of just concentrated juice, which you don't really want in baby food because it makes it too liquidy. So I poured that off and started putting it into a glass and then adding vodka and going for a walk with my son afterwards on a oh, nice Sunday evening. Champion. And I found it to be awesome. Just great. Uh, a lot of apple and blueberry. That's also a really good combo. Mangoes go good with anything. But so that's kind of the story here. This article more or less takes the pouches and puts it in there, which works also. I mean, however you want to do it. Um, I think adding a little sweet pouches, and sour jars, and a twist of lime I mean, is great. Not everybody is as culinarily gifted as you are. So, you know, it makes sense that if you got it, use it. Oh, anyways, to anyone who tries it and you got the juice left over from making your baby food, it's, uh, it's awesome. Totally, totally approved. So the article lists three recipes. One is the Bellini. The second is the tropical baby food daiquiri. And it lists, uh, is this a mango? Yep. The lime, some bananas, peach, apricot, and banana, organic baby food, orange mango juice, and the Bacardi Superior Blanca rum. You, you take that banana. You are a you are a rum connoisseur of some note, at least at one point in your life, Leon. What do you feel about the Bacardi with the red bat? You were always more of a Captain Morgan Malibu fan. How do you how do you feel oh, about Bacardi? That's the old classic. 
you know, I mean, Bacardi's the, I mean, that is the standard of rum mm. is Bacardi silver. Uh, I, I'm not a big fan of regular old Bacardi silver. It's more of a mixer rum than anything else. But some of the rums that are, you know, anything that comes out of the Caribbean, anything, uh, was it Apple, Appleton? Mm-hmm. Appleton makes some really good rums that I, you know, I'm, I'm really getting away from mixed drinks. I just, I want to, you spend all this time making really good liquor. Why do you want to go sugar it up and drink it straight? Yeah. A bunch should, of stuff we should find it. a sip and rum sometime. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's some good ones out there. I got to be on these pouches. When I was in that stage that Mr. Jones is in right now are phenomenal. They're so helpful. Uh, so easy. You always, you can pack them. They're great. But also I have just this tiny bit of guilt. And then I'm like, no, I, I hate the planet that th- these are great. Like, why do we get rid of baby jars? <laughs> like they're, they just they're recyclable. And now all yeah. of a sudden they're in these plastic pouches. And the thing is too, is like, look at the kids lunches where they put the applesauce in each one of them. I'm like, Oh, every day yeah. school, applesauce, same thing. Uh, we're the worst. We are just absolutely destroying this planet. Like how do we make something that's, currently in something that is biodegradable and good for the planet. Let's just take it out of there and put it in uh, <laughs> a, a baby seal head or, you know, let's make sure we really hurt the planet with this one. I'm not that green. I just think it's funny because it's a ton of them. You know, we tried to be super. Have you ever made your own baby food? Oh, I, yeah, we do it every, every week, every Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. That's the way to go. And then you can every fill Sunday. it in. They have reusable pouches and you feel a little bit better about it. Yeah. Yeah. We freeze it, um, you know, put it into a ball jar and that's our style is, uh, we make enough for a week or two and, you know, he does really well. I think it's hard to come up with the savory ideas when it comes to making baby food and kind of mm-hmm. getting off topic, but that's kind of a, a difficult one to find something that's going to hit the mark. Yeah, the third one here is baby food spiked lemonade, and this one uses a sky vodka, margarita lime sky vodka. That looks interesting. Yeah, hmm. with some honest lemonade, a lemon, some uh, organic pears, raspberries, butternut squash, and carrots. And what are these things? What do these look like to you guys? Those are figs, I think. Figs. Those are figs. Yep. Lemon and fig for garnish. garnish. Well done, gentlemen. You know your fruits. My real experience mm, with figs them, but is I know the Newton. <laughs> Big Newton. Yeah, look at this. They go all out. They've got pictures of an actual nice stainless steel shaker. Mixing it all up. So you're not actually using the puree, Mr. J. You're just doing the juice. Just the juice. Just the juice. I strain it. But, or not. Doesn't matter. It's like basically making just juicy syrup. Mix it with a little vodka and go for a walk. Mm-hmm. Sounds champion to me. Yeah. What's what we got? Passes the time. There was a really, you really nice echo? rum that I had in my phone somewhere. And maybe I'll find it. Mm-hmm. Maybe I won't during the course of the show. But it was it was a sipping rum that we had on New Year's Eve. And it was really, really good. But story for another time. Anyway, let's talk about Brown. We'll be right back.
Welcome back. Let's get into business news. News team, assemble! Let's get down, let's get down to business. And I got news for you. Today's business news comes to us from Market Watch. This one was interesting to me because it lists out a very interesting headline here. The headline says, for those of you listening at home, the best job in America pays $145,000 and has 14,000 job openings and offers a generous work-life balance, mostly from home. This one comes to us from MarketWatch dated February 2nd, 2022. Glassdoor released its top job for 2022 based on earning potential, overall job satisfaction rating, and a number of job openings. You guys want to take a guess before I scroll down? Low job critic. Mm. Oh, critic. <laughs> I understand 14,000 job openings, uh, but 145 grand? uh, (laughs) I'm going to go with uh, Data Architect. Ooh, good one. Very close. Enterprise Mm. Architect. Uh, Same thing. Yeah, Yeah, pretty much. the same thing. The article begins, a six-figure salary and the option to work from home sounds too good to be true. The careers website Glassdoor on Wednesday released its annual 50 Best Jobs in America report for 2022. With so many workers on the move as we enter year three, fucking year three, of the pandemic, it makes for particularly timely reading. Once again, tech workers came out on top with Enterprise Architect, number one on Glassdoor's list. They have a median base salary of 144997 a year, 14,021 job openings, and a satisfaction rating of 4.1 out of 5, according to the report. Job openings are up while workers continue to quit. Number of vacant jobs hit 10.9 million in December, up from 10.6 million the previous month. Labor Department said this week, the job openings rate was steady at 6.8%. So this gets into something that I'm asking, and there's, I'm part of other conversations on various text threads. They keep talking about all these people quitting. Are they just stopping and going home and playing Xbox? Or what does that mean? This, this was the first time I've actually seen some data here. We're looking at 10.9 million openings up from 10.6 million openings. So that's 300,000 more open jobs. Does that mean people are quitting and not doing anything? I think it's job creation. I think this is a sector. I think this is more of a sector of um, uh, whereby it's the growth of, of technology and the cloud-based structure whereby these people are needed to architecturally store data and move data and have content uh, sourcing uh, for businesses, whether it's, you know, to customer base or as well as storage of data internal. Yeah, It's a, it's a very tough job actually. And mm. I had to interact a lot with the enterprise data architect and they're, they're brilliant and they're calm and they're organized and you have to be all three of those because everything's coming at you pretty quick. And when I think about a, a good architect, you have to be, you have to have a good understanding of the technology that's coming down the pipe because in this world, things are coming so fast that you have to be way ahead of the curve on how you're going to organize your data, you know, Eight years ago, if you were talking about this, cloud was probably too far ahead for you to even think what you're going to do with your data. Are you going to go to AWS servers? Are you going to do that kind of 
organization and also how you store your data, how you organize the links in your data is how you are able to query it. And as data becomes more and more powerful and we start getting into things like big data, you know, just tons and tons and tons and tons of micro data, but it tells you so much of what you're trying to get to. You really got to know what you're doing in that world. Otherwise you data is worthless if you can't get to it and it's not accurate mm -hmm. and your joins are wrong and you haven't structured it in a way that you can both uh, store it, get it, grab it, enter it, have data enter people from your company, be able to get it so that you could put validation to it. All those things are all, uh, yeah, and I'm and I'm still underselling the role. So I I don't know. It might be a growing segment or it might be burnout. Who knows? Because it's not like you ever get to slow down in that world. You have to go, 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 go. So I, I don't know. I it might be growth though, because it's important. Yeah, it's where everything's going these days. Um so the article but, breaks it up as enterprise architect who top Glassdoor's list, work in a company's IT department, designing hardware, software, and networking applications, and work with stakeholders to help businesses achieve and maintain their digital strategy. Fair warning, mm -hmm. this job, along with many in IT, are not for the faint of heart, as Leon just said. It takes years of training and work experience, often a bachelor's degree in information technology and a master's degree in enterprise architecture. Time you spend learning to become an enterprise architect depends on which education path you take, according to studydatascience.org. Note that it can take up to seven years of college if you choose to pursue a master's degree. A lot of people so, go to college for seven years. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, I suppose there is a doctor <laughs> of computer science out there. There's pretty much doctors of everything. But get this, a master's in professional studies program in enterprise architecture and business transformation can cost as much as 11 grand. So you're going to be paying that off no, per semester. 11, 11 K per semester. 11 grand is not expensive for an education. Yeah. Well, per semester. Yeah. Oh, fine print. It's not too bad. That's not bad. Let's see. Uh, next thing last year's list was full stack engineer, $101,000 a year with 11,000 openings. They develop websites and applications followed by data scientists, 120 a year with 10,000 openings. Top 10 jobs were all IT. Several non-tech jobs made it into the top 50. As millions of people struggle to cope with COVID-19, psychiatrists at number 22, psychologists at number 34, jobs in human resources such as HR manager, number 13, corporate recruiter, number 17, and HR business partner, number 39, ranked among the best jobs. So if you are wondering what to do with yourself or you are in the vicinity of a person in their late teens, early 20s, trying to figure out what to do their lives, IT. Get it done. Hmm. Gentlemen, if you were to go back, was this a field you would go into? Nope. 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 Keep the money. <laughs> I, I do it anyway, like just for fun. And I don't know that I would change that. You got to get a hobby, sir. <laughs> I, like, I like writing. I think it's fun to write code. It's, you know, what happens oh, God. at the end. I, I liken writing code to the snow. It's a lot of fun to play in. But if I had to write, if I had to write code, like this is your job, you must write code. Uh, I, I might kill myself. Yeah. Watch paint dry. It is a lot. Well, it is a lot of fun. You remember MySpace when we were building out your MySpace profiles, you're writing in HTML, you were getting creative. But then after a while, you know, like Mitch Hedberg says, like pancakes, you just get fucking sick of it. It's like, all right, I'm done. I don't do this anymore. <laughs> 
database architect, Salesforce developer, solutions engineer, machine learning engineer, product marketing manager. Oh, that's that's what I do. And enterprise architect all received the highest shares of work from home benefits report. A rate of 90% or over. For a job to be considered, it must receive at least 100 salary reports and at least 100 job satisfaction ratings. Well, I really thought police officer was going to be on there. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. I know. Hmm. Uh, the labor officer. department data show that most workers are not working from home. Surprise, surprise. Uh, Harvard Business Review survey of 5,000 people found that Americans want to work from home two and a half days a week on average. That seems mm. to stray from some of our earlier conversations. That's what I think it's about right. It's yeah. starting to seem like Monday and Friday at home, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday in the office which is also pushing us towards the eponymous four-day work week, as it were. Mm. I hope it happens. Well, they're trying it in a number of different countries. We should probably look up some of that data to figure out what they're doing. But I know they tried it in Scandinavia, and I know they're trying it in Spain. And I believe certain cities were going to pilot it. Yeah, I heard it doesn't work, though. Still a nice concept, though. Why doesn't Mm -hmm. it work? It's cute. Well, that'll be an article for another day, uh-huh. mm-hmm. but I will send it to you. Well, Good all right. <laughs> That's right. Magic 49. Risks a rush to the exit by these employees. The report added that would exacerbate an already pressing problem in many organizations that struggle to hire and retain talented women and minority managers. So work from home is still in high demand for any job that allows it. That wraps up business news. Let's get to the crank file. I could look for something in the crank file. Crank file. Whatever. Today's crank file comes to us from iflscience.com. That's right. I fucking love science. This one is dated. They don't, they don't seem to date their articles. Ah, here we go. 13th of November, 2019. So this one's been sticking around for a while. This one was built on the back of the cat with four ears in the last episode. This one is, how best to put it, abandoned rescue unicorn puppy has a tail on his forehead. Yes, that's a tail on a dog in between its eyes. Unicorn dog. Unicorn dog. Uh, the internet, meet Narwhal, the little magical furry unicorn, a ludicrously cute rescue puppy with what appears to be a tail. And no, before you ask, it doesn't wag when he's happy. <laughs> Ooh. Uh, so this is the thing, and again, we'll post it in the show notes. What are we looking at here? Uh, A licensed dog rescue center in Missouri posted a photograph of the puppy saying that he'd just been rescued alongside another older dog. Under the ethos, we specialize in special. Jackson-based center pays specific attention to dogs with special needs or rare health issues that might otherwise struggle with overburdened shelter systems. This particular little guy was rescued in rural Missouri. So many dogs get dumped there. We save dozens this way. They're always in terrible shape. So... Looking for a dog with a tail growing out of its forehead. Rural Missouri. Fortunately, he's now in safe hands and appears to be in remarkably good shape. Max's mission took Narwhal to a local veterinarian who gave him the all clear, except for some easily treatable worms that are common in rescue puppies. 
vet also carried out x-rays on the puppy in an attempt to undercover the mystery of his unique forehead feature. While the nature of the birth defect remains unclear, the extra tail poses no apparent risk to his health. The unicorn face tailed... <laughs> That's the thing. The unicorn face tail does not bother Narwhal, and he never slows down just like any normal puppy. The extra tail is not connected to anything and has no real use other than making him the coolest puppy ever. <laughs> A picture of an x-ray here. It's not there. So we got a video. It's a normal it puppy, like guys. It's just a normal, normal dog. You know what it reminds me things. of? You ever heard that Jay Moore stand up when he's talking about how Chris Walken comes in and notices his Doberman that has the crop tail? It's like, Jay, I noticed <laughs> your dog has no tail. Dog needs a tail. Uh, if you were, had the choice between the gift of flight and a tail, which one would you pick? I I pick a tail. <laughs> well, well, Chris, what what do you mean? Why why wouldn't you fly, Jay? I get on a plane whenever I want. A tail. <laughs> You'd know if I was angry, or if I was happy. If I wagged the tail. Oh, you'd know. <laughs> Shit, that's uh, old. This dog's got <gasps> two. And one that's one that doesn't wag. <laughs> it is a cute dog. It's a cute dog. I don't think I'd want it, but it's a cute dog. It's it's too much for me. It's it's like those people that you just you're like, just could you could you shave the middle of the eyebrow? Could you just this part? Just so what is this right is unibrow there, dog? Is that, is that where you're going with this? It looks like a unibrow dog. That's what I'm seeing here. What I'd be need... worried about is if you went out and some somebody that's very uncomfortable with the idea of that would, you know, like treat it as the mark of the beast or something or try and kidnap it and put it down because it's evil. Oh, yeah. I mean, People are sick. It's a puppy. It's just a puppy. It's just uh, a, an ugly puppy. That's it's cute. It's not ugly. Stop that. Ugly. It's narwhal. Come on. (laughs) That that should be his name. Is that his name? That is his name. His name is narwhal. Yes. Oh well, that's a great name. Perfect. Narwhal, the little magic for a unicorn. I love it. Maybe I should listen to the story before I just make comments. Yeah, good idea. Listen to the show. Yeah. Yeah. That wraps up the crank file. Let's get on to Leon's favorite because Florida. Today's Florida comes to us from WFLA.com, News Channel 8. Florida teacher arrested after kissing student in the classroom, deputies say. This one comes he's, got a, he's got a popped collar in the picture, everyone. Yep. That doesn't popped. tell you everything you need to know about this guy. <laughs> popped collar I mean, and a uh, hey, uh, lady behind the mugshot camera. You single? Yeah, that look is. So it comes just from the Volusia uh, Sheriff's Office, Deltona, Florida. You know where Deltona is, Leon? I do. Yeah, it's in your Daytona. It's it's actually it's in the same county as Daytona. Makes sense. Yeah, 
Yeah, it looks like it's towards the west side, just north of Orlando. Mm -hmm. A Deltona Middle School math teacher has been arrested amid an investigation into his conduct with a teenage student. Same story. According to the Volusia County Sheriff's Office, Carlos Aguirre Rendon, 29 of Longwood, was arrested Wednesday. Deputies began investigating. Yeah, dude's 29. He looks, he's old 29, huh? Yeah, he's not aging well. Deputies began investigating the case on January 11th when it was reported that Aguirre kissed the victim, victim, kissed the victim on the lips in his classroom. The girl's parents told deputies they had concerns prior to that as her mother said she'd seen Aguirre with his arm around her daughter at a Deltona Park. On Tuesday, deputies learned that Aguirre had been approaching potential witnesses at Firefighters Memorial Park in Deltona, asking about the victim and telling at least one witness not to talk to the police. Aguirre is charged with lewd or lascivious conduct and witness tampering. Aguirre has posted a $12,000 bond and was released. I need a little bit more detail. That's it. That's the whole article. Like, were there kids present in this? Was this like, hey... We're going to learn about algebra today. And what you do is you want to use the FOIL method. And first in, last stop. Like, uh, it's distracting, uh, professor. I don't understand the scenario where usually this kind of thing is done behind closed doors, not in the middle of the classroom. So this well, guy's, a high this guy's not only stupid, he's got balls. We don't really know Just, if the, if the student was 18 or not, other than it being inappropriate on school grounds, 29, 18, got an 11 year difference there. Uh, but the whole idea of trolling people at the park going, don't talk to the cops. That's uh, he's a horrible person. That's Florida. Yeah. Yes. He deserves. Yeah. I mean, he deserves everything that's about to happen to him in the uh, the county prison there. So it looks like Palm Coast, Daytona, Deltona. Deltona is south of Daytona. And then you've got Orlando and then all the way down to Palm Bay before you get into all the Miami suburbs. So it is yeah, so uh, where, halfway where between we... Orlando and Daytona. That's where it is. Yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. Deltona, Sanford. Oh, and look, there's a lake. <laughs> there's water in florida there's water everywhere in florida that wraps up because florida we'll be right back welcome back let's get into parenting we can make kids right now that's why we're here. It's not the years. It's the mileage. Today's parenting comes to us from The Guardian. This one is dated on January 12th, 2022. The article reads, more people is the last thing this planet needs. The men are getting vasectomies to save the world. That's right, gentlemen. To save the world, men are getting the snip. With the climate crisis becoming ever more urgent. A growing number of young, childless men are taking the drastic decision of being sterilized for environmental reasons. Mm. <laughs> when Lloyd Williamson you know, lay on his back in a GP's <laughs> clinic late last November, it was for the surgical culmination of years of soul searching. Williamson, who is 30 from Essex, 
remembers wanting a family as a child, but something changed in his early 20s. I thought, you know what? I don't want to bring a life into this world because it's a pretty shitty as it is, and it's only going to get worse, he says two weeks after his vasectomy. Williamson is largely motivated to sterilize himself by the climate crisis, given the link between fossil-fueled economic growth and population growth. He believes that having fewer children is one thing individuals can do to help. We can't offset our carbon problem onto the next generation because it's not fair on them, he says. Williamson, who works as a data support officer, not an enterprise architect, for Essex County Council, says he knows of other young childless men who are thinking of doing the same thing. While reliable data on vasectomy numbers and motivation is scant, there is growing evidence to suggest that all over the world, men without children are taking direct action. Gentlemen. All right. In honor of uh, what's going on over at Spotify, this is a, a misinformation alert, misinformation alert, because I don't actually have the fucking facts on this one. But I did hear recently on one, on one, one of the, uh, the podcasts I was listening to that the U.S. population is actually stagnated and we haven't been adding to our population. So and that's very odd and rare. I don't know if that's true. Again, misinformation alert, misinformation alert. Go look at it. I'm going to have to. This article is surprising to me because of well, the birth that rate is low. That's for sure. I just heard. It's just we no. It's just we've been going. It, it's are having that, children at a later age right now. Well, and so it's probably delaying the kind of amount of kids uh, people are having. So, these days. No, the article was talking about specifically in the U.S. that the cost of living has skyrocketed mm-hmm. so high. And that you know, when now you have two parents that have to work instead of, you know, 60, 80 years ago when it was a one parent work, one parent could stay home. Now you, you both have to work or you have to get daycare or childcare. And that's three to $4,000 a month. There's just, there's just nothing. No one can support it. That, that's the direction that whole story was mm-hmm. going. So this one kind of slams in the face of that and says, you know, snip your balls. We we have an issue here. So I maybe this is a contributor to it. I don't know. Well, so I just did some some quick searching here. So Vox Media published an article on January 5th last month, the great population growth slowdown. The pandemic has only accelerated a decline in U.S. birth rates, even as immigration has plummeted. So it requires 2.1 children per family on average to replenish the birth rate. And as to what you are speaking of, Leon, as of the latest data from the CDC or the World Bank in 2019, we're looking at 1.7 births per woman, which is well below the replenishment rate. Take that, fact checkers, fuckers. <laughs> I'm right. Yeah. So the birth rate is uh, very good in India, of course. United Kingdom, mm-hmm. not so much. United States, not so much. The China's they're allowed to have three now, right? China, yeah, China's allowed to have three. Their, two. For them, it's kind of too three. little, too late. Did they so get maybe, three? Maybe we they, can they explore took the one this child thing. next episode because this is an interesting one. The actual birth rate of various states is different from one to the other, but the average in the United States is about 1.7 children per couple, and that is not enough to replenish the United States. So well done, Leon. Well, As for this article... It should not be surprising that a generation with increased awareness of the climate emergency is asking big questions about traditional family structures. 
In 2019, then 29-year-old U.S. Congresswoman Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez, AOC, held back <laughs> tears as she, as she gave a speech about the climate emergency. I speak to you as a human being, a woman whose dreams of motherhood now taste bittersweet because of what I know about our children's future. She told a summit of mayors in Copenhagen. Our actions are responsible for bringing their most dire possibilities into focus. That's a bunch of bullshit fear mongering. I'm telling you, the climate change is bad. It's bad. It's real. But so is every period of time that's got. Can you people in the dark ages? They're like, nope, no kids. There's plague. End of the world. We're not doing it. Plague. Plague's here. And then the, then this next one, world war, whatever. Nope. Too much war. No kids. Don't have kids. Things suck all the time. Just can't use that as a reason to stop populating the earth. We're locusts. We got to complete the job. We need to eat every possible natural resources planet can give to us. And then, and only then can it die. While Leon, the article goes on. A study in 2017 said the single most effective action an individual could take in terms of helping the planet was having one fewer child. This would save more than 25 times the emissions of the next biggest undertakings, living without a car and avoiding long-haul flights. Prince Harry cited the climate when he revealed in a 2019 interview with Vogue that he would not be having more than two children. Matthew Schneider Meyerson... I'm sure I got that right. As associate professor of environmental studies at Yale and U.S. College in Singapore, as the author of a forthcoming book about eco-reproductive choice. Last year, he carried out a detailed survey of 600 people aged 27 to 45 who were worried about the climate crisis. Of these, 96% worried that their children would struggle to thrive in or even survive the worst case climate scenarios, while 60% were concerned about the carbon footprint of their potential offspring. Yeah, I'm... Kind of leaning towards Mr. Jones on this one. It's if it's too expensive to have a kid, you're gonna use the environment as an excuse. But if you have the means, like if I had enough money for five kids, I probably would. Yeah. Kids are expensive. Uh, yeah. So you have them later when you can afford them and you can at least keep some of the luxuries, or you just have them when you're young and just suffer through it. Yeah, that's pretty much what it is. Uh, seeing this growing trend of people who don't have enough faith in the future to believe having a child is a good decision is a little disturbing. Uh, what do we read in the news that would make us think this is a great time for kids? Yeah, see, that bothers me because... Yeah, see, to, this is dark. Yeah, they're throwing around terms of you know, eco-fascism and blah, 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 blah. Another controversial moral philosophy, antinatalism, mm. calls for mm. the extinction of the human race by ending procreation. I think there would be some concern if the climate movement becomes closely attached to antinatalism or an ethic that calculates the value of human life and carbon emissions, said Schneider. That is Marison. fucking stupid. Vasectomies don't necessarily preclude parenting. Rodney Pohl, 26, an IT technician, not an enterprise architect, is planning to foster or adopt with his wife, Carrie, who watches Pohl's vasectomy at the Simple Vas Clinic near their home in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, last June. The couple were motivated partly by weather extremes and what they foretold. A recent polar vortex had taken out the power on the street for 10 days. We had neighbors breastfeeding small infants, and we were sharing generators to try to keep their fridge going to not waste milk. Yeah, that's it. The article goes on to say that for the most part, these guys are getting vasectomies because they don't want to bring children into the world because more children means bad. I get the general consensus from this group that we don't buy it. Well, no. 
I feel like this goes along the same lines as Avengers Endgame. And you just have to kill mm-hmm. off half the population if we want to continue living. So that's basically what this article is telling us. And I don't buy it. I think it's garbage. I can be convinced Thanos. otherwise. Yeah, he's, well, I this saw is literally Thanos wrote this article. It's- <laughs> As well, thank you, Thanos. You write for the Guardian. Uh, I'm gonna see if I can find some follow-ups on this because I thought I saw something in one of my news feeds that said this actually doesn't doesn't do any good. So if you're gonna get a vasectomy because you like having unprotected sex, that's your choice. It, look, look. If it, the only comments I'll put to this is that like there's an article I was watching. It was basically the, uh, the damage that China had to go through with its one child policy and what it created with, you know, now you have more males than females just because that's the way Chinese culture is and, mm-hmm. you know, so forth. You have other, other countries like Japan, for instance, where it's a cultural thing for them, whereby it's still the woman takes care of the kid and the women have kind of realized we really don't have any, positivity by having kids and so we're just not going to do it and we're not going to get married and we're going to hang out at the karaoke club all day long um but it's it, there are areas where it makes sense but you have to grow the population if you want to keep a stable economy because right now that's that's japan's problem that's that's one of the china's, it's a little china's problem it's russia's problem it's singapore's problem it's the reason they're having these sex nights we talked about it in an earlier episode of the pod there's there's go home and make the sex as a nationalistic rallying cry because mm-hmm. the population is. is depressing. Countries want babies. Want yep. them. They are the easiest and most economic thing to, to produce by your population. Yep. There is nothing that spurs an economy like population. More people mm-hmm. buy more stuff. Yep. Oh, God, yes. So, gentlemen, babies get the are snip expensive because you want to get the snip. Knock off this bullshit about saving the world. I think we're all in agreement on that. That wraps Cheers. up parenting. Leon. Danny. I think it's time. Is it? I sent you a picture to get you in the mood. <laughs> 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 oh, ladies and gentlemen, it's time for Leon Lowe's. So far, Danny, I haven't heard a single logical reason. No, no, don't accept this. It's frustrating. And we haven't cured cancer. We have not cured cancer. I don't know the answer. I'm just ranting about it. Leon, the floor is yours. Danny, I'm going to go off the reservation a little bit tonight. Ooh. I I want to make a confession before my loathe comes out. I hit a milestone in my life last week. I knew it. Triple B knew it when it happened. I... I you know, you, you, there's certain times when you just cross over to a new stage of life, when you become a father, obviously we've talked about that or a parent in general, you know, when you turn 21, uh, when you turn 18, all these, these are huge historical moments in marking the next stage of your life. And this happened to me recently. I sat on the couch and I was waiting for triple B to come back down. And so I was just killing time on the television And I turned on Jeopardy, followed by Wheel of Fortune. And I enjoyed the hell out of them. (laughs) And now (laughs) I am that stage in life. 
I am almost all the way to variety shows. I think, I think I'm right before then, but here's where my rant lies. And it's probably only going to hit maybe three of the magic 49, but you need to hear me out on this. And this is about you. Listen to me, Pat C. Jack, you motherfucker. You need to listen to this. Do you guys know how to win the million dollars? The big prize. Do you know how this happens on Wheel of Fortune? I couldn't believe it. I'd like look it up as I was watching. Like the how that can't be possible. Let me walk you through the scenario and how you win a million dollars on Wheel of Fortune. They advertise it like it's out there, but it's really not out there. There is a tiny sliver on the giant wheel that is surrounded by the bankruptcy. So getting to that notch is almost impossible. But if you do and you hit it and, and you get a letter and then you get the sliver and you win the game and get to go to the end thing and your little mini wheel of blind envelopes you happen to have one of those i think 24 slivers one in 24 chance because they upgrade the hundred thousand to the million in there but you don't know which one it is anyway because they're all blind he pulls it out and you solve the the big thing at the 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 one at the end which seems showcase. to me yeah the showcase one so that's like one out of every five or six people seems to win that damn thing and then he opens it and it's the million that's how you win the million that is completely unacceptable you know how many people <laughs> have won the million dollars since 2008 three three, three. if really? you don't have one person winning it a year it's a horrible fucking prize and it's horrible that you are dangling this carrot like it's something that somebody can actually win <laughs> it's like the odds of somebody winning the lottery are greater than winning the $1 million on this fucking game show. Get rid of it. Either get rid of it or make it attainable. It's horseshit. Fuck. That's all I have to say about that. <laughs> but Jeopardy was good. But Jeopardy's Jeopardy, really good. Jeopardy's Jeopardy been amazing this year. I, I don't nothing, know if anyone's watching. I'm nothing. Well, that one person, uh, I can't remember her name, uh, trans community uh, won like a billion in a row. I don't yeah, know. I don't she's know. still she on. She went bad. It's just a simple yeah. format. Yeah, yeah Jennings it's... was the leader, right? And Jennings took over because. Uh, well, no. If you're going to loathe about they, something, they, they loathe about the asshole that tried to take over Jeopardy before Jennings got the slot. Oh, uh, that is a good. That is a good rant. Well, um, Danny, no, the, Danny Lowe. There's two. There's two hosts. There's a. Uh, uh, Blossom. 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 Yeah. Yeah. And then Ken Jennings. Yeah. And she's good. I like her better, actually. Oh, I'm the other way around. Ken Jennings way yeah. better. Jennings has a podcast. Which is good. Jennings Which is, is good actually pretty funny audience. when he's off when he's let off his leash. Jennings is pretty oh, he's good. so good. Listen, what have we become? We're just nonchalantly talking about Jeopardy and Wheel of Fortune. Well, so uh, this is interesting. You bring this up is that before we had my son, you know, we would watch, you know, sports or whatever it was on or, you know, but it was interesting that, you know, we started to watch more of the wheel of fortune and jeopardy just because, um, you can kind of somewhat pay attention because you can't pay a hundred percent pretend like you can't, you can't watch the screen, but you can listen to what's going on or whatever it is mm, and interact with the TV it. more 
than you know than than when you would beforehand where it was like you had to pay attention to like a tv show or something like that or sports even or something so it's interesting that like since my son was born we definitely watch a lot more jeopardy which is pretty much one of the better shows to watch because you just listen to it and come up with the answers Okay, you're making me feel less bad about the stage in life, so I appreciate that. I'm, I'm trying oh, no, to don't. find a way to watch the 6 o'clock news. <laughs> no. It, once Antiques Roadshow comes in, just end it. Ugh. Just end it. <laughs> well, I've always been a 60 Minutes fan, so I don't feel bad about watching 60 Minutes. But I, you I'm like trying Rooney, to, though. You ever think I, that? I, there, there is no <laughs> substitute for Andy Rooney. I mean, that's just you that. Ever wonder why you that just man start is a fucking randomly watching treasure. Wheel of Fortune. Why do they call it taking a dump instead of leaving a dump? I mean, after all, you're not really taking it anywhere. And why does my coffee can have less coffee every 18 months? <laughs> there needs to be a return of Andy Rooney. And I, I, I will be the first in line with a tie that's too long and eyebrows that are untrimmed. I'll... He passed away, right? Yeah, yes, he's, they've all passed away. I he's would love to sit. Oh, that's right. All of them have. I would love yeah. to sit at the bar with Harry Carey and Andy Rooney at the same time. <laughs> sit in the middle of both of them. Listen to them go back and forth. It would be wonderful. <laughs> Hi. We could do, we Hi, could do a spinoff of this podcast. I, and the Bob Media <laughs> Podcast Network, I would like to do a spinoff where I would do the Andy Rooney <laughs> moment. I know her. If if you were a hot dog and you were starving, would you eat yourself? I know I would. I'd be so hey, delicious. Andy, you like to rant about the environment, but you got a dead tree as your desk. What's going on? Oh, <laughs> uh, that is quality. That is, I would be amazing. That, well, I think we're with you on this one, Leon. This very, very few of these loads of yours, we go against the grain, but I, I, I would agree. I, if you're going to have a, a million dollar prize and not actually give it away. Ditch it. Don't bother. Yeah. All right. Let's see what's at the bottom of the bottle today. This bitch is empty. Yeet. For our closing thoughts on this, what is today? The third, the third of February, 2022. Apparently the groundhog saw his shadow yesterday, gentlemen. So we're in for six more weeks of winter. And as is typical, we weren't there, Mr. Jones, the market reacted. I know. Yeah. Did you guys go one year? Yeah, we, we did. did. I saw a little rodent get taken out. It was the freezing cold. Tawny. I think I made like four or five newscasts that day, just in the background, like yeah. <laughs> the Slintown in Pennsylvania. Blah 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 blah. <laughs> Gobbler's knob. So our our bottom of the bottle wisdom for this episode, gentlemen. If you're unhappy about daylight savings time, which is going to be coming upon us probably in the next month, right? We're staring March, down the barrel the worst of a, one. a daylight saving switch. Uh, Russia, which has been in the news recently for uh, invading countries that are not theirs, spans Allegedly. 11 time zones. At one end of Russia, it could be seven in the morning. And at the other end of Russia, it's six in the evening. So don't complain too much about daylight savings time. There's people in that country that live a whole fucking day. <laughs> this, uh, or just move to Arizona or Hawaii, or is it Indiana too? I think they just uh, choose not to did participate. Hawaii do it because I know Japan. Yes. Japan does it. Yes. There's there's a, a Middle Eastern area country that does it, and Arizona for sure, which is what I love. 
Do you know, he is on the half hour. It's 11 and a half hours ahead. Indiana? Newfoundland. No, India, the India? country. Oh, India. 11 and a half hours. It's funny. Mm. Listen, they just, let, different. they just let food walk around and they around them. I, I don't know about that. Something <laughs> Cows are sacred, sir. They're sacred. They're, del- they're delicious and they know it. <laughs> but that pig, I'll eat that pig. <laughs> <sighs> that wraps us, gentlemen. Thank you for listening to the Bottle of Brown podcast. You can email us at bottleofbrown at gmail.com. You can give us a phone call, 602-529-4562. You can leave a message for Danny, for Leon, for Mr. Jones. You can refute anything we said on the show. You can give us ideas for content. You can leave us a voicemail. We'll play it on the show. That wraps it up for today's episode. We'll try and get back to you next week at our regularly scheduled time. Same bat time, same bat channel bottleofbrown.com This place is dead anyway, man.